kids like you Maker of heaven Lord of the land And Lord of the sea Holy and true Faithful and able Lord of all time And eternity I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome you to week three of the School of Grace. And we are studying grace because of the overwhelming importance of the matter of grace to the believer. Indeed, grace is the, is the oil and the fuel that runs the Christian's engine. The entire Christian faith is predicated on the grace of God. Creation itself was an act of grace. All of us, we are creatures of grace. And there is no other way to survive and to thrive other than on the platform of the grace of Almighty God. And the grace of God is a manifestation of God's sovereignty. The fact that God can do what he wants to do with anyone and anything, anywhere, anytime in his creation and not be called into account. But the amazing news is that grace has brought us what I call almighty kindness. The grace of God is omnipotent benevolence. The kindness of the almighty one uh, towards us. And, you know, if the Almighty is kind to you, then something will come out of his almightiness rooted in his kindness to address any matter that can confront you in life. That is the proper definition of grace. Grace goes beyond the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins comes out of the kindness of the Almighty. But so does provision of food so does provision of health for our bodies. So does the provision of a godly spouse. The Bible says houses and riches, they are the inheritance of fathers. But a prudent wife or a godly husband can only be a gift of grace from Almighty God. The matter is so serious that the Bible says, What do you have that you did not receive? Underline, underline underscoring the fact that everything comes to us on a platform of grace. And so, in week three now, we want to begin to look at what I call manifestations of grace. And this will help you further to understand grace. And so, Father, please continue to give us insight and understanding and impart grace into our spirits as we feast on your word and gaze at the wonders of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. In Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, verses 15 to 16, Romans 9, 15 to 16, we read these words. It says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. I will have mercy 
on whomever I choose to have mercy upon and I will have compassion on anyone I choose to have compassion on. So then the gift of God and the things of God is not a matter of him who runs or of him who wheels. In other words, you know you can run, you have speed and you have stamina and energy. No, it's not a matter of grasping and grabbing. It's a matter of receiving. It's a matter of God who shows mercy. So what we understand from that scripture is that it is a person that God shows mercy that will get it, that will make it. The Bible says, The race is not to the swiftest, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to those that have you know, a lot of understanding, no, no victory to those that are strong in their own strength. You say, but time and chance happens to them all. Uh, one Bible version says, it's all by happening to be at the right place at the right time. And it's only God that can preserve you, first of all, and then keep you, bring you to the right place at the right time, and then open the necessary doors. It's not by power, it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the lord so we see grace in manifestation in several persons and places and even peoples in scripture let's begin our study with a man called abraham you see as we look at grace um this is chapter four of the school of grace book which you can get from uh, the information that is sent along with this message. I encourage you to get it so that you can follow our studies and then even after that so that you can continue these studies with your family and with friends and the, the church or the fellowship that you lead. Now we see manifestations of grace in God's sovereign choice or call of individuals and his blessings on people. When you look at how God chose certain persons and how God blessed certain peoples, you realize that this is a matter of grace, not a matter of merit. And we are going to be looking at several of that at this time. Let's begin with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 11, to, excuse me, Genesis 11, 24 to 32, and uh, you know, several other passages, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. We will not be able to read all of these passages, but let's uh, probably read um, one or two of them in Genesis chapter 11. Look how God called Abraham. And don't forget that this man, Abraham, was a regular idol worshiper, like plenty other idol worshippers in his place before God called him. So why was he the one that God called? Ah, there you have the matter of grace. So, um, in fact, let's read it in Genesis chapter 12 from verses 1 to 5. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Look at these astounding promises that are still current 
Mm? Look at all of these things that God is bringing to a man. This man's name is Abraham. And Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldeans. That is, that would be in present-day Iraq. So, the truth actually is that Abraham was originally Iraqi, so to speak. You know, if you go far back enough in history, that was the area he was from. The area of Ur of the Chaldeans, uh, which was in that uh, neighborhood. So, but God came to this man and then God began to make these promises to this man. Look what God is saying. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. Not just that you will be blessed and your name will be great. You yourself, you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse the one that curses you. God is saying, I will fight your battles for the rest of your life. If anybody tampers with you, the person will be dealing with me, not you. And in fact, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What? Do you understand the size of this promise that God is making to this man? And do you know that today, those of us who receive Christ as our Lord and our Savior, it is part of the blessing of Abraham in which we are finding blessing. Can you imagine what God is saying to a man? What did Abraham do to merit all this? What did he do? Nothing. He was a regular idol worshiper like other people. He didn't know God. God just one day came and revealed himself to this man and look at what the grace of God has made of Abraham. Look at the astounding blessings uh, that have come to this man. Thousands of years, thousands upon thousands. Can you imagine more than 5,000 years after this man has died? People are still talking about him and we are singing, Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings are mine. Every time we sing that, we are proclaiming grace. Grace. Grace that will call a man out of hidden darkness and bring the revelation of God to such a man. It was all by grace. If you look at Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, son of Abraham, you'll find that Jacob was also chosen by grace. Isaac had these two sons, Jacob and Esau. But the Bible tells us that even before um, uh, the children were born, while they were still in the womb, God came and he said, the older one is going to serve the younger one. It was grace. Grace chose Jacob. Listen to this scripture in Hebrews, uh, rather Romans, Romans chapter 9, and I'm reading it from verse 10. It says, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, it says in verse 11, for the children not yet being born, that the purpose, and he said, not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil. See, the children have not been born. They've not done anything good or bad. Huh? But that the purpose of God according to election. Election, that means the divine choice, which can only be by grace. So that that purpose might stand, not of works, huh? but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve 
the younger. The older will serve the younger. How is that? From what did the older do? He said, it's not a problem. It's what I have chosen. Does it mean that you hate Esau? Look what he said. He says, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What did Esau do? Huh? Some people say, you know, it's because Esau sold his birthright. No, you're making a mistake. The children had not even been born. They had not done anything good or bad. But God had already made a choice. Somebody will say, okay, but why will God hate Esau? You don't understand. When he says, Esau, I have hated here, it's not, God could have aborted him in the womb if he hated him unto death. But God is saying here, among the Hebrews, when they talk about hate, it's not first of all, hatred as he wanted to kill i'm giving you an i'll give you another example remember that jacob loved rachel but he hated leah but don't forget that jacob the woman that he said he hated he had several children through her so there was still some kind of relationship but it just shows you the intensity of the love that he had towards rachel relative to the one that he had towards uh, uh, uh leah and in the same way god chose Jacob to be the one through whom Israel, the nation that he will use to bring redemption to humanity, through whom the Savior will come, that's how God made the choice. Are you following that? And today, even the tribes of Esau can benefit from the blessing that God has brought through Jacob. So you see, it's not that God, because somebody will quickly say, well, so that means there are people that God hates and he has closed their case. In fact, you can read that further in that scripture in Romans chapter 9 and you understand that God is sovereign and he has a right to determine what he wants to do. But don't forget that the same sovereign God has included everyone in the blessings that he has today because everyone can now come to faith in Christ and be blessed equally uh, in, in Christ Jesus. Now look at the nation Israel. It was by grace that God chose Israel to be the nation through whom he will work to bring salvation. So in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 7 from verse 6, look what Moses says to the people. He says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God, God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of the earth. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. A special treasure. Now, why did he do that? Look at verse 7, Deuteronomy 7 and verse 7. He said, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people for in fact you were the least of all peoples but he chose you because the lord your god loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore uh, to, the, to your fathers that's why the lord your god has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from 
the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So you see, the man of God was reminding them, God has chosen you not by merit, but by grace. You are a special people. Do you know that you now, child of God, you are also a chosen, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. Why did God choose you? I'm going to come to that. It's not because we merited it. You are going to see the kind of life that many of us lived. But God chose to show us grace. Grace. Grace is the name of the game. And it's not a game. It's the name of life. It's the summary of what life is all about. And then you see that God's choice of believers from all out of the world is also a matter of grace. I just mentioned something like that a moment ago. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the, the word of God was written to these Corinthians. And look what God says to all of us, in fact, who are in Christ. From verse 26, 1 Corinthians 1 from 26. Oh, the grace of God. He said, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many were wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, that are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things, the lowest things of the world, and the things that are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, the things that are nothing, God has chosen to bring to nothing the things that are. Why did he do it? He says, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. In verse 31, he says, but that as it is written, anybody who is going to glory or going to boast, let him boast in the Lord and in what the grace of God has done. Look at us, 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 child of God. What we are we before what were we before grace found us? Listen to the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 9. He said, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't you know that? He said, Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, sexually immoral people, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous people, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now look, look at this amazing verse that follows. It says, and such we are some of you. Such. This is what you we are like, most of you. This is what, what many of you we are like. This is what all of us we are like. Who was more righteous than the other? Thieves, adulterers, prostitutes, fornicators, liars, people that fight and get drunk and fall in the gutter. Look at us, refined, refined fools and people that didn't have any use for God. Some of us, we close our minds to God because of what we thought was our status, but we are bound in sin. Some of us, we are just hypocrites. Huh? People like me that we are going to church and, uh, and they're using church as a cover for sin and thinking that religion could save. Many of us, we are, some of us, we are in the cults. Some of us, we are all kinds of people. Oh, you say, but you, we are washed. 
This is First Corinthians chapter six, verse eleven. He said, "You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit." of our God. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were set apart. Our past was blotted out. Our names written in the book of life. Our darkness turned to day. Night to light. Hopelessness to hope. Oh, hell to heaven. Our disaster was changed to hope and to, and to blessing. We made a mess out of our lives, but Jesus gave us a testimony. The choice of God of every individual to get saved out of the world is nothing but grace. And oh, how indebted we are to grace. How we are supposed to praise the grace of God. How we are supposed to glorify God for grace. Do you know in the world today, there are 7.8 billion people in the world today. Out of these 7.8 billion, Roughly 900 million to 1 billion are called evangelicals. These are people that have been born again. These are people that have received Christ as their Lord and their Savior. That means 6.8 billion people in the world today do not know Christ personally as their Lord and their Savior. Of course, some go to church and practice other forms of religion, but they do not know Christ personally as lord of their hearts and and they do not know that their names are written in heaven but you are not in that number you are in the one billion out of the what is the percentage of that it's it is less than 20 percent of the people in the world today uh, who you can do the math when you have some time it's can you imagine you know the glory of being saved in a world of 7.8 billion people Oh, grace, grace, grace. How did grace do this miracle to bring me in touch with the gospel when I was so lost in medical school? How did grace pick me out to be among the first individuals in my entire city that will hear the gospel and believe and receive it? Grace, grace, nothing but the grace of God. It now brings me to the woman called Rahab. If you are a student of scripture, you will certainly be familiar with that woman, Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, a regular prostitute in the city of Jericho. That's what Rahab was. You can read Rahab's story in Joshua chapter 2 from verses 1 to 21. You can also read her story in Hebrews 11. And there are several scriptures that talk about Rahab. She wasn't the only prostitute in Jericho. And there were people who were not prostitutes. Why were they not chosen instead of Rahab's house? You know what happened? The story is that uh, Joshua sent two spies and these spies came to the city of Jericho and they entered into the house of this prostitute called Rahab. And her house was on the wall and Rahab received them, Rahab hid them and even when you know, uh, 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 you know, the security officials of Jericho sent by the king came to Rahab's house, Rahab hid the spies and eventually Rahab, you know, sent them away. And when Jericho fell, Rahab and her family was saved. They were all saved by the grace of God. Why was it Rahab that was chosen? Why was it a house? Huh? Where did Rahab get faith to believe? 
where did Rahab, how did she, who, who told her to believe these people? Oh, how did Rahab, do you know that the matter didn't stop with just Rahab getting saved? Her entire household was saved. Rahab's father, mother, brothers, sisters, her uncles, and anybody that was close to her. Can you imagine that it is now through the prostitute that salvation is coming to the rest of the family? Nothing but grace. This is the miracle of grace. Do you know when Jericho fell and her entire family were in that house upon the wall? That little section of the house on the wall did not collapse. It did not crash. Rahab and her entire family, they were brought out and all of her family members, including the ones that were far more honorable than Rahab. She had been a disgrace. Oh, Rahab had been a disgrace to this family. Rahab had been a pain in their neck since she entered into the scarlet trade and was selling her body to strangers. But look on this day, it was Rahab that was in front and all of our family members we are following her as the israelites led them outside the camp to a place of safety as jericho fell where did rahab get all this why was she the one and the matter did not stop there rahab the ex-prostitute of jericho rahab repented of her sins she was integrated into the nation of israel rahab got married to a man called Mr. Salmon. Rahab became the mother of Boaz and the mother-in-law to Ruth. Rahab became the grandmother of Obed and the great-grandmother of Jesse, who was the father of David. Rahab entered into the line of the Messiah. Oh, Grace plucked a prostitute from a city doomed to destruction and integrated her into the messianic line grace grace the manifestations of amazing grace grace no if you are listening to this thing i want you to know no matter where you are at in life there is hope for you never give up on a person that can find grace and that grace of god is available to you today and will be available all the days of your life it was grace grace that worked to save Rahab, to transform Rahab, and to integrate her into the family line of the Messiah. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. We see the grace of God in God's choice of David. In First Chronicles chapter 29, or rather chapter 28, I was reading my Bible one day, and I was astounded to find the reason why God selected David. Look at it in First Chronicles chapter 28, and verse 4. David is telling the story himself. He said, However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. Huh? For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. Hey, see the multi-dimensional, you know, levels, the levels of choices before the thing got to David. First of all, God chose Israel. Then God chose the tribe of Judah. Then God chose the house of Jesse. 
then in the house of Jesse, God chose David. Why David, sir? He said, because he liked me. He just liked me. He was pleased with me. He just looked at me and said, I'm going to make this one king. Oh, grace, grace, grace. Do you know that the day they came to anoint a king in the house of Jesse, David's father, do you know that David was not shortlisted? Nobody gave him a chance. They sanctified and prepared his elder brothers that looked like probable candidates for the monarchy. They look like <laughs> future kings by their stature and, and, and by their military prowess. They look like future kings. And they sent David to go to the bush to feed the sheep and the goats. And David was out in the bush. But do you know, all of those candidates for majesty, candidates of kingship, all of them were rejected that day. And Samuel said, no, 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 no. God has not chosen all these ones. Is the, are these all your sons? Do you have any other son left? Then Jesse said, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, in fact. And yes, I have a son. His name is David. He's in the bush. He's feeding the animals. Samuel said, what? Didn't I tell you to prepare all your sons? Now, send for him. Nobody will sit down until he arrives. That's how they sent for David. When David arrived, he was smelling sheep urine because, you know, he will carry his sheep in his arms and probably some of them will wee on him and, and you know, in the bush, you know, just, you know, the smell of a shepherd. I mean, he didn't have time to go take a shower or, or, or clean up, you know. As soon as he arrived, the Bible says, God said to Samuel, arise and anoint him for this is the one that I have chosen. Grace, grace, the grace of God that can take a person from the lowest place and make him king. And not just an ordinary king. Do you know the kind of promises and covenants and victories and mighty things that God did in and through David? Oh, grace, grace, God's grace. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. And so, you see the manifestation of grace in the life of the believer. You see, look at the man that was healed, the paralytic that was healed by the pool of Bethesda. He had been paralyzed for 38 years, but grace picked him out for a miracle. Hallelujah. Excuse me. Grace picked him out for a miracle. The man was lying down there one day, and then the king of grace himself was passing by the Lord Jesus and when he saw him he knew that he had been there for a long time and he asked him he said do you want to get well and the man began to ramble he said sir I don't have anybody you know um, uh, you know when when I when I want to jump into the water and um, you know other people get into the water when the angels test the water and then I'm not able to get in quickly. I don't have anybody. Jesus said, do you want to get well? The man was rambling. But grace, 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 grace went beyond this man's belief or unbelief. And grace said, take up your bed and walk home. Go home. I discharge you from this hospital in the name of Jesus. Whoa, the grace of God. Jesus discharged him. Bible says suddenly 38 years of paralysis disappeared in seconds. The man jumped up, carried his bed that he had been sleeping on, and he began to jump and rejoice and to go home. What did he do to receive a miracle? 
I want you to listen. If you are sick in your body and you are listening to this, grace will locate you with God's healing power in the name of Jesus. You see, when the grace of God is in manifestation, faith is important, but if only you can have faith in grace, don't be trying to have faith enough faith to believe God to solve big impossible problem just have faith in grace have faith in the kindness oh the tenderness the mercy and the love of God for you grace grace God's power will touch you because of his grace it was grace that gave him a miracle and grace will give you a testimony there is no mountain that grace cannot move there is no impossibility that grace cannot override so when you read the old testament when god told them to make the ark of the covenant i don't have time to get into the details but you can read the story in exodus chapter 25 as well as hebrews chapter 9 when when they made the ark which was basically a wooden box made of acacia wood and then overlaid with gold and then he had uh you know these rings and poles by which it was carried a wooden chest basically god also told them uh, to make the cover of course the wooden chest was overlaid with gold like i said and then he told them to make the cover of the ark and that cover of the ark was called the mercy seat the mercy seat the seat of mercy and you had these you know gold cherubims that overshadowed the the mercy seat and that mercy seat god said to moses that is where i will meet with you oh so all the dealings of moses with god in all their journeys with the israelites it was from the mercy seat it was from the seat of mercy and you know in the new testament the throne of grace is our own equivalent to the seat of mercy from where God dealt with the Israelites. Now, see what happened. Do you know that the commandment, the Ten Commandments, was placed inside the ark and then it was covered with the mercy seat? And that mercy seat was God's seat. God himself sat on that mercy seat in the Shekinah glory inside the, the tabernacle. And that's where Moses would meet with God. So you know what it meant? It meant that even the Ten Commandments was inside the box and the mercy seat was on top of the ark, covering it. Here is the point here. You know that what God is sitting in mercy above his law. That's why the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. You see, imagine when the children of Israel broke the law. And they did things that were worthy of judgment. If there was no mercy seat, sitting above the commandment inside the Ark of the Covenant, oh, you will have an exposed naked law screaming for judgment. But I imagine the law crying out for judgment from inside the box and mercy sits above the law. He sits above the law. Mercy does not nullify the law. That's the mistake some people make. But mercy triumphs over judgment. So instead of giving judgment, mercy can be extended. Oh, so the mercy seat was a manifestation of grace. When we see the power of God that is released to us 
you know, for us to accomplish things that we never could do in our own strength. All kinds of gifts and abilities, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, excellence that God provides, the supply of our every need, all of these are manifestations of grace. Grace gave special ability to a man called Bezalel and Aholiab, and they were able to make masterpieces when tools were rudimentary. Bezalel was the man that led the tabernacle building project. He did all kinds of intricate, complicated works. He was weaving, he was, you know, engraving, he was smelting, he was doing all kinds of... Look, look, you need to see the masterpieces. I've seen some of the models of the things that, that Bezalel created. You can check them out when you search for the tabernacle online and you will see what the ark look like. You will see all kinds of artwork and craftsmanship that God enabled Bezalel to produce. Zerubbabel, you know, had this massive mountain in front of him. But look what the Bible said. He said, who are you, O mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you are going to become a plain. This is in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. I'd like to read that powerful scripture for you. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. He said, who are you? Huh? This is what he says in verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He says, who are you, O great mountain? Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Be in front of this man of grace, this man that is backed by grace, you will become a plane. Listen, mountains flatten out into plains in the presence of grace. When a man is carrying grace, when a woman of grace, when she is facing a mountain, mountains melt like wax in front of carriers of grace. Because it's not by power, it's not by might. But by the grace, the omnipotent benevolence, the almighty kindness, the backing of the almighty one, the kindness of the almighty. So the almighty deploys his almightiness on behalf of the woman of grace, on behalf of the man of grace. And you know the result? It levels mountains. Mountains flatten out. It's a who are you? Oh mountain, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he will bring forth the capstone. And what will he be shouting? Grace, grace, grace. By the time Zerubbabel finishes this project, he's going to bring forth the final piece and drop it on top. And as he's doing that, Zeru, Zeru, Zeru will be shouting, Grace! It was all done by grace. Oh, it was grace that built this project. It was grace that leveled this mountain. It was grace, 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 grace. Oh, that we will rediscover grace again. Oh, that we will, in the face of temptation, grace will be multiplied. When the Holy Spirit was outpoured on the day of Pentecost, that was grace in manifestation. Everything 
that we receive from God is a manifestation of grace, divine providence. Uh, everything that God gives to us, food, air, safe travels, a safe flight, uh, protection in our families, it was all grace. Even our ability to obey must be reckoned to grace. It's grace that enables us to say no to sin. Grace that frustrates the, the devices of the devil on our behalf. Satan will plan everything. God will disappoint him. Grace will paralyze his plans. Do you know that we don't even know one quarter of what Satan is crafting and plotting against our lives? But grace, grace, as the devil is planning the thing, grace is already disappointing and frustrating him. Grace, grace. You can see something like this in Revelation chapter 11 verses 1 to 18. I don't have time to get into that. You will see grace helping the woman. The ground opened up and swallowed what the dragon wanted to use to swallow the woman. Grace, she was given wings of a great eagle. Something she didn't have. Grace was given to her. She was provided a place of safety. Grace, 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 the grace of God. Grace is summarized by the finished work of Christ and its boundless benefits towards all of us. Oh, that's why the Bible calls it the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder the Bible says that out of his fullness we receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Look, every blessing, every benefit that now comes to us, comes to us by grace. The grace of Almighty God. So these are manifestations of God's grace and I want you to keep them in view. As you look at your own life, you can see the grace of God in manifestation. And I want you to listen. That same grace that has brought you safe thus far, that grace will be more than enough for you. The same grace that picked out Rahab from nothingness and put her in the messianic line is what has picked us from the dunghill of our sins and has made us princes with Almighty God, sons and daughters of the living God for all eternity. Grace has now made us carriers of the Almighty God. Now Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can you imagine the greatest gift of grace? The indwelling that Christ will take up residence inside us and live in us and live through us all the days of our lives, securing our time and eternity. Father, in the name of Jesus, cause us, oh God, to feast on grace, to rely on grace. Father, we resign from our own, depending on anything that we have done, we put our confidence in your grace. And Lord, I pray for increasing levels of abounding grace in the lives of my brothers and sisters, and that your grace will define our lives and cause us to become all that you have ordained for us to be beyond our wildest imaginations. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. I encourage you to listen to these teachings over and over. And as you do, you'll be soaking up the grace of God. And please don't forget to share with other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord of the land and Lord of the
the sea.